0: Chapter Six: Cyber War. Julie spent an enormous amount of time on the internet, planting information about the journals, answering questions, and stoking everyone's interest while covering retracts. Her Keeping herself secret was a consuming job, since it was currently far too easy for anyone's actions and personal information to be tracked. Some thought using an avatar would be a sufficient buffer, enabling them to feel free to use rude and improper language. Those who thought avatars would hide any improper actions from prying eyes were shattered when their online exploits were exposed. For those like Julie, who knew how to navigate and remove any traces of their activities, the internet was a means to an end. Julie saw it as an ocean whose depths were wide open for exploration and discovery, while the common user just simply sailed the surface. Still using her alias of Robin Hood, Julie's message of the truth carried much weight for those familiar with her exploits. However, those who didn't know Robin Hood easily discounted everything they read. They viewed her posts as an elaborate hoax. Nevertheless, she persevered. She knew that it wasn't going to be an easy sale, but what she found those who believed. That reward greatly outweighed any disappointments. As Julie sat in her room filled with the latest electronics graciously supplied by Matt Bouchard, she efficiently multitasked several events by depositing information into hack news media hubs on the Internet randomly joining chat groups and devising a plan to compromise large media groups such as CNN. Before she invaded a media site that huge, she'd had to make sure that everything she plotted out was sound and undetectable. With her fingers flying over the keyboard, she noticed a blinking red light on one of her monitors, indicating that someone had just accessed one of her false leads. Someone was looking for her. It wasn't that uncommon for this to happen since, unbeknownst to the public, The internet was constantly being policed by a multitude of agencies, be they CIA, NSA, FBI, or other hackers. It was always best to keep a false trail and a multitude of locks to prevent anyone from accessing critical information. When another red light appeared, Julie logged out of what she was currently doing and focused on the individual or individuals trying to track her. As she glanced at which false lead had been compromised, she realized that someone was following her long string of breadcrumbs going far back to when she was in England with Ann Back to when she cracked Sheol's firewall. Julie had known it was just a matter of time before she all decided to send a task force after her, but she figured she'd have some time before that happened. She'd reasoned that their first move was to ensure that all the redundancies Julie had used to hack through their firewall were eliminated. Sure up your defense and then go on the offensive, she said softly to herself. They sure it didn't take long. Fingers flying over keys. She activated more of her watchdogs to assess the level of activity on the breadcrumbs she had left behind. Her eyes widened as she read the report on the monitor. Her breadcrumbs were being consumed at a rate of one per minute. No standard program could decode her breadcrumbs. She had originally figured that government supercomputers would be able to crack her crumbs at one per day since her codes used a sophisticated oligomorphic engine. To decode her crumbs at one per minute, we take a cutting-edge supercomputer running a program able to decrypt at least a 256-bit encryption. That was less than a second to break the multiple levels in each breadcrumb code. As far as she knew, no such thing existed. Yet again, there was still much she didn't know about Cheol. More like 500 milliseconds, she mumbled, double-checking the results on the monitor. Impossible, Julie said, as another breadcrumb disappeared. In just a few minutes, Information about her original cyber attack of the She Hall firewall would be discovered. Julie worked feverishly to clear all tracks after that event. Sweat formed on her brow as she worked against the clock. Throwing everything she knew against this crisis, she prayed that she didn't make any mistakes. As predicted, all the breadcrumbs leading to the path of the originator of the cyber attack were accessed. Julie was no longer an enigma. Her history, her alias as Robin Hood, and her personal information had been accessed she was most likely at the mercy of whoever had performed the search. They now knew she was behind the cyber attack and were most likely making plans to locate her. Julie clasped her hands and brought them close to her face as she nervously waited, hoping not to see another blinking red light, indicating the decryption of her other false leads that she had erected to prevent others from finding her present location. Seconds turned to minutes, and Julie began to relax. She knew that, one day, her identity would be discovered. She just hadn't thought it would be this soon, and with the level of ease it had been done. Breathing deeply, she reclined in her chair, hoping to have just adverted a major crisis. Being more focused than ever, she leaned forward and started working on improving her code. Several Red Bulls and a large stock of Hot Pockets would have to be her sole source of sustenance for the next 48 hours, as she figured out what had gone wrong with her code. Until she did, everyone and everything would be compromised. Julie cleared her mind, cracked open a red Bull and started working. For the past hour, Matt had sat in his chair drinking a Coca-Cola and remembering his last meeting with Sean. He was shocked, not only by Sean's response but also by his own. For the first time in his life, he was actually afraid of uncovering a truth to the point where he really didn't want to know more. He felt his mind shrinking from the sheer weight of knowing the truth about both man's existence, and those entities, just outside his perception. Entities integrated in so many areas of common life that he was beginning to believe that no one was left untouched by their influence. Or worse yet, they were so blinded by life itself that they refused to see what was right in front of their faces. A part of him wanted out of this arrangement with the Duquesnes, and to go back to his old ignorant, unenlightened life. God, heaven, demons, and hell weren't supposed to be real. They were supposed to be stories and religious mumbo-jumbo for the masses. Keeping them their place as complacent, hardworking individuals. From historical facts and journals to the files Julie downloaded, the evidence was too strong to refute. When he had invited this group here so he could learn more about the journals and hacked files, he had never once thought he would end up embracing their beliefs. In the past, he would invite individuals and in groups over so he could get firsthand knowledge on a topic, and then kindly see them on their way. But now, in his self professed open mind, struggled with the enormity of the truth he was beginning to acknowledge. Matt also concluded that Sean's group shouldn't expect much more from him. He gave them a place of temporary residence to rest and gather their wits with much needed stability. What more did he have to do? He had the information and the truth. Surely, they didn't expect him to join the ranks. He was a good person and did more than what anyone else would have done to help this group. Interrupting his thoughts was a soft knock on the den door. Yes, he said, not knowing who would be visiting him. The door cracked open, and Sean poked his head around the corner. Is it alright for me to come in? Matt was shocked. He had expected to pick up his talks the next day once Sean had time to cool off from his previous outburst. Sure. Um, come in. I really thought we were done for the day since it ended on a sour note. Yeah, um, I'm really sorry about that. I kind of lost my head for a moment. Do you wish to continue today? said Sean not wanting to be rude but also not in the mood to continue their session when he had so much to think about. Matt said, I think we both need a break today. Can we pick it up tomorrow? Sure, no problem, said Sean, knowing Matt had a lot on his mind. Sean just hoped that he hadn't fed Matt any negative thoughts with his little outburst. Same time tomorrow? Matt nodded. Sean was about to leave when he stopped. Matt, I know what I said before was harsh. I said some things I wish I'd never said, but I want you to know that it was because I see you as I was some time ago. I used to be a person that focused only on what I considered empirical data. If the facts led in a certain direction, then I calculated the probability of that truth and weighed it against the chance of that said truth being false. That's the life of being a professional with an analytical mind. When my wife started embracing what I thought was a religion focusing more on a personal and spiritual relationship with God. I was resistant. Oh yeah, I knew the Bible and read the scriptures. But as a historian at heart, I guess I looked at the Bible as a source of historical facts with a bunch of asterisks next to events that could not be proven or ratified. Many civilizations from that time had superstitions and beliefs based on fears and other desires giving credit to gods for many common things we see today. And I guess it was this knowledge that always stayed in the back of my mind as I saw my wife lose herself more to this new church she was going to. The thing is, Matt, I couldn't let go of that understanding, and it nearly cost me my life. It wasn't until I actually came face to face with what I couldn't understand or believe that it dawned on me that I had been wrong all along. But that actual confrontation was something no person should go through. You see, I needed physical proof of all of this to finally change my mind about things, and it was this physical proof that nearly killed me. Matt, these things are real and don't care about our notion of physical proof and corroborating evidence. They have only one thing in mind, and that's our complete complacency and utter destruction. By deciding to do nothing, we truly decide to allow them to proceed any way they want unimpeded. That's why I guess I reacted that way. You see, you're like, who I was long ago, and the choices I made led to the hard way, the hard path. I pray you don't take that road, but I do understand what you're going through because I've been there. It was the hardest thing for me to learn. So, if there's anything, anything at all I can do to help, please don't hesitate to ask," said Sean. Matt nodded, thank you. Sean smiled, good night my friend, see you tomorrow. After Sean left the room, Matt took a sip of cola, looked at his tablet and accessed the pages from the journal. He started reading from the very beginning, thinking that looking at Sir Fairchild's words from a different perspective might change his current view. After taking another walk through the compound, Sean opened the door to his current residence to find everyone seated in the living room. At first, he was happy to see everyone in one place again for what looked like another dinner get-together. But when he looked at Nicole, he realized that there was something wrong. Nicole's face looked as though she had gone through a box of Kleenex tissues. There was still evidence of tears' streaks on her cheeks, and she looked completely flushed. Except for Lisa and Marie, everyone else avoided eye contact as he approached. Sitting in the only available chair, you looked at Lisa. What's going on? Lisa smiled weakly, glanced at Marie, and tried to answer the question as boldly as possible, though her voice sounded weak. Julie's work has been compromised. Lisa said, driving to the point without wasting any time. Compromised? Sean responded, not daring to think further until he heard the whole story. It's okay, Lisa answered. God will provide. He'll see us through. We've been through worse. Marie jumped in to help Lisa out. Sean, I think it's best that Julie tell you what she's been through for the past several hours. Marie gently bumped Julie on her side. When Julie lifted her head, Sean saw the exhaustion in her face. Her eyes were bloodshot. There were circles under her eyes and her complexion was completely pale. Julie took a deep breath and brought Sean up to date on the remarkable attack on her well-devised breadcrumbs of misdirection. She informed him of how easily the attack had dissolved her defenses and how they now knew everything about her. Sean listened carefully as she continued to tell him how she was able to currently thwart any other incursion, but wasn't sure how long that defense would hold up. Sean, Julie continued, whatever program and computer system they're using is beyond anything I've ever encountered. I can continue to throw them false leads, but at their speed of decryption, it's just a matter of time before they catch up and find out where we are. Rubbing his forehead with the palms of both hands, Sean remained silent for a while before responding. How much time do we have? Julie glanced at each person before responding. I don't know. For the first time in my life, I'm unsure. It could be hours, days, or weeks. Months? Sean asked, already knowing the answer. I doubt it, said Julie. I can tell you that it will definitely be within a month. She shook her head. What they're able to do puts them decades ahead of anything I've ever heard of. You did say some time ago that the inner core of their firewall was something you'd never seen before. So, I guess it really shouldn't be a surprise that this same remarkable technology would do things we've never conceived," said Sean. There's nothing remarkable about it, Nichols shouted at her father. It just means that we have to leave. And where are we going to go? We can't hide from them. Lissa leaned over and tried to put her arm around her daughter only to have it shrugged off. Why is this happening to us? I just can't believe it. It's like some bad dream that I can't wake up from, shouted Nicole. Nicole, I... Ignoring her father, Nicole continued to rant. I thought we found a place where we could be free from all this. I mean, look at all those fences out there with electricity going through them. Even if they find out where we are, there's no way they can get in, right? No one answered since they knew Nicole was just venting but she had a valid point. It would take governmental forces to break through these defenses, but they all also knew that they were dealing with more than just the physical here. Spiritual forces weren't hindered by such things. So, what are we going to do? Run again? Nicole asked her father, this time waiting for an answer. Feeling a heaviness in his heart, Sean looked at his daughter. Nicole, I don't know right now, a lot depends on what Julie says she can do to keep them at bay for a while and what Matt says. Matt, Nibble said, wide-eyed. This was the first time he had been mentioned during the entire discussion. Sean slightly shook his head. Matt's at a critical point in his belief. He can either turn away and run from this whole thing or embrace it. I just don't know how he's going to respond when I tell him about this. Tell him? Nicole said hysterically. Why do we need to tell him? Nicole said, Lisa. You need to calm down. No, get off me! She screamed as she again rejected her mother's comfort. I never asked for this. I try to be strong and supportive like everyone else, but I can't take this anymore. This sucks. Jumping from the sofa, she pointed a finger at her father. I wish I could go back in time and stop your grandfather from ever writing those stupid journals. It ruined all of our lives. Nickel ran from the room crying uncontrollably, leaving everyone speechless. The tension in the room didn't abate even after hearing the resounding slam of Nicole's bedroom door. Sean looked at Brad. How are you holding up, son? Brad shrugged without saying a word. Are you sure? Sean asked again. What can I do? I'm not happy about all of this, but there's nothing I can do about it. I'm sure you'll do your best to work it out. Shocked by his son's response, Sean wondered if Brad was trying to desensitize himself from the situation to handle it. But he decided not to pursue it. Sean just nodded and looked at Julie again. We need to tell Matt, he said. I know, but can wait until tomorrow? My primary concern is finishing my grid of false trails. Okay, you should try to take breaks from time to time. There's no time for rest. This little meeting is killing me with what I know needs to be done, but I had to let everyone know what was going on. I wasted enough time. It's all Red Bull and Hot Pockets for me. I'll take a nap later. Sean conceded, you're the expert. Julie immediately stood up and left the house to go back to work, leaving Sean, Lisa, Anne-Marie, and Brad in the living room. It was quiet for far too long as nobody knew what to say. Anne-Marie broke the silence. Um, I think we should pray. There are things going on that are out of our control. We need to give our concerns to God. Everyone nodded, so Anne-Marie continued. Father, we thank you for the protection and guidance you've given us since and ever before the discovery of the journals. We pray that you will guide Julie to prevent the advance of the enemy. Give her the strength and insight to do what needs to be done. We also pray that you will continue to keep us safe from forces seen and unseen, that no spiritual wickedness may have access to this compound with people within it. And also God, I pray that you will comfort Nicole during this time and help calm her spirit, along with Matt. Help guide him in the direction of your truth and set him free from anything that may hinder him from accepting you. Protect us all and help us not to forget how you've guided and protected us up to this very day, and to never doubt lose faith in you. In you, nothing is impossible. Amen. Everyone else said, amen. Brad left to go to his room, and Anne-Marie said she was concerned for Julie's health, and was going back to her place to keep an eye on her. Sean and Lisa held hands as they sat quietly together on the sofa. Neither said a word as they shared a long, quiet moment together, something that was becoming more rare as time progressed.